Welcome to the Liquid Soapbox Podcast. This is a show where we talk about topics that we're passionate about, giving us an opportunity to get up on our soapbox with the help of a little bit of liquid fuel. Welcome to the Liquid Soapbox Podcast. I'm Dominic Battistella. I'm your host. And of course, as always, we've got Clint Webb as our co-host today. Good afternoon. And we're being joined by Matt Johnson and Doug Keyswitter. I know I'm coming in with my NPR voice today because I'm trying to calm emotions before we have what could potentially be an emotional conversation. Bonjour. Because we... <laughs> Bring it on. We're going to talk about what is your duty as an American. That's a good way to start it, Doug. Really. <laughs> and, the, and the first thing you need to do to be an American is you need to crack a PBR. That's right. Before you speak Has your to first be a PBR. word. It, it is red, white, and blue. It Follow could be up. a Budweiser, right? They are owned by InBev, which is no longer an American brand. Yeah. yeah, not a Budweiser exactly. fan. Rather, well, have I'm not a Budweiser fan either. But I thought that was interesting that the King of Beers can is we now all owned just, by a foreign conglomerate. Yeah, can we all just accept that Americans don't do everything better? That's very true. The first thought of this podcast will be that American exceptionalism is dead, <laughs> and it started did with it, the foreign did, purchase did, of Bud Heavy. Did it? Did it ever actually <laughs> exist? That's another question. But well, we're going to ge- through genocide and oppression, we've made sure that everyone. Accepted yes. that we were better than them, whether we were or not, yeah. or at least we'll tell them that. Yes. So have the, a blanket. <laughs> so, that was fucked. <laughs> the, the reason we're having this conversation first, first of all, Doug is here because Doug owns the place. Okay, That's so right. and, he's and, the proprietor of the podcast studio that we are podcasting from, and he is graciously allowing us to utilize the podcast studio, which is an amazing facility, and I'm. So happy that we have the ability to utilize it, and thank you very much for that, Doug. And then we have Doug and Matt on, especially because they are both service veterans and kind of so still current. current. I've been I've spent the last sixteen years overthrowing and stopping the overthrow of foreign governments, so <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe I have at least some experience in this realm. Sure, you definitely and, do. And so, Doug, you were a Green Beret. Right. I am still, yes. Uh, you am yep. still. Yep. Okay. I so you're active. currently, I'm a National Guard service member here in the state of North Carolina. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's actually the, there's two special forces groups in the National Guard. Okay. One is predominantly on the West Coast and the other is predominantly on the East Coast, like different states, but yeah. And then Matt, you were a Marine? Correct. Well, Correct. once a Marine, always a Marine. So. Well, yep. of course. Yeah, so I did four years in the Marine Corps. And then I recently, within the past two years, started dabbling in a little private contract work. Okay. It's from talking to a variety of Marines, I'm led to believe that my time as a Green Beret makes me almost as good as they are. <laughs> it depends on how many crayons you can eat. I have a huge hunger for crayons. So, oh, dude, you're good. Yeah, we're all on the same page. That's special. I, I think I remember an interview with you. Somebody led you astray from oh, the Navy SEALs. Oh, no, I wanted to become a Marine right, badly yeah. in high school. And then Stu Smith told me. Stu Smith. Yeah, he yeah, was like, was don't be an idiot. You should be a Navy SEAL. And I was like, this guy is crazy and doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then 20 years later, here we are. Yep. And I'm friends with a guy. Yep. And I'm a Green Beret instead. Yeah. That's... I, We'll allow that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. It's a that's weird bit. Okay. Okay. It's a nice little recreational side hobby. For sure. <laughs> sure. So 
we're recording this podcast January 18th, 2021. 12 days after Olympus has fallen. 12 days after Olympus has fallen. <laughs> two, oh, days, movie. two days prior to the communist takeover of the U.S. federal government. Oh, my God. Are you, I like I, that you were like straight up, I think I'm going to be myself. And I was like, no, now you're just trying to incite a riot. <laughs> so free health care for not, everybody. Not that I believe that. Look, OK, so Joe Biden gets inaugurated in two days. With that, a twenty-five thousand strong National Guard presence protecting with, him from uh, it's like freaking sure. war zone guys. from the sure. rest of America. It's sure. what everybody. We, it's what every other country looks like after their elections. Not we, us. We had on the sixth. Every other it, third world country. The, yes, <laughs> the U.S. capital was taken. Essentially, <sighs> taken right? over. For, for, I feel like this for is a several dramatic. hours. Yeah. 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 Yes. Some rabble rousers with very little agenda broke in the door and took a bunch of selfies. Yes, they did. <laughs> you, had, you had a handful of people with zip ties that were mm-hmm. looking to Didn't do, know. I carrying don't know zip what. zip ties is illegal now, but whatever. No, but to but, it, do, but to carrying a, them into the Capitol. With very, <laughs> in, very. Is probably illegal. Yeah, uh, carrying purposes. anything into the Capitol like that. I was only disappointed they didn't turn Harry Waxman into a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Interesting. My loins burn for him. Mm. <laughs> He's so loins. powerful, man. <laughs> All right. So Off the rails quick. I'm going to preface this. Okay. You guys, I'm imagining, are a bit more on the conservative side of the spectrum. And I will only say that because you both brought very large firearms into the studio <laughs> prior They're very to small. the start of this conversation. They're very small guns. They're very small guns. They're Big just guns. pistols. It's, Big guns are way bigger. Look, to be uh, fair, the bullets are small. Yeah. The, uh, yes. A, a lot of them just come out at the same time. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, in a series. <laughs> well, in a series. Clint and I, on the other hand, are card carrying, camo, pinko, liberal. I can't are you going to say that now? I, I was like, man, you it. are very. I, I was. Ooh. We are Beep. on the more on the left side of the spectrum. And. Can we go on I, record as saying we're all on a spectrum? We are yes. all on a spectrum. <laughs> that is, that is a spectrum. That is correct. That being said, can we all agree that we all love this country? Yes. I am proud as fuck to be an American. Yes. Every day. And. But I think we can I, do better. We can always do yes. better, right? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I certainly think we can do better than invading the Capitol. I'm not. Yes. So I would. Will go on record as saying I do not support the ideals of the people who well, certainly kicked not. in the door at the Capitol. Right. Sure. Politically, period. And where I exist on the spectrum is really irrelevant. I'm mostly a libertarian, so I believe in ultimate freedom. I also believe that we're in an odd position in our country where where everyone feels disenfranchised for potentially valid or invalid reasons. Everybody feels feels like they're a victim too. They all feel unheard. They can't express they don't like change they want things to stay the same way they are and the idea but they but they want everything to change all at the same time it's weird because i don't think that i think that the reality of the situation is that the things that people want to change well in my attitude is they should they're all local issues it's not about a federal thing like people can talk about abortion and healthcare and all these other things that are federal federally mandated issues but the reality is like most of the things that really bug people are happening at their local levels and they're not addressing them through local elections that's what I see to be well, the that's problem. That's where it starts. Yeah, right. it ends there. Right. The well, sheriff, the way that the sheriff like actually adjudicates laws is the problem, and people aren't addressing that by throwing out guys that they don't that that are being unjust in the way they're administering justice. When we talk about people coming to the Capitol, I actually have 
have heartburn over it. We talked about it earlier, which is to say we spent the last two years watching civil unrest all over the country based on what we view to be righteous disenfranchisement. Hey, people are disenfranchised because their voices are being heard because they're being they're being executed in the streets without due process sure. by people mm-hmm. who've been paid to exercise the administration to- of law without people getting executed. And you have a substantial population engaged in the war on drugs, law enforcement, who feel like they're being attacked by uh, a lawless subset. And so they feel like they're the victims too. Sure. And then you have people that are rioting and burning down businesses because they're trying to strike a blow to the patriarchy or whatever it is. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's a I like to say patriarchy. It makes me feel uh, good as a white male. I, I, I think recently, recently it would be the white supremacist. If so, and right. this is the thing, right? Not every person that voted for Trump is a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. No, of course not. But no that, way. but that yeah. is they, the messaging that we're getting. There at aren't now. 75 million people who are white supremacists. There might country. be the issue. The issue is that what coming from the opposite side of the aisle, I think that the implication is that anyone who would willingly vote for Trump has white supremacist leanings and that he has allowed them to reach deep into a place that was hidden until now and be themselves. Can we also just say that we voted four years ago to put a reality TV star? I did not. Yeah. Vote. I did not. Right, either. Not we in this <laughs> room. All right. So yep. what do you say? We, we as a nation of Pennsylvania, only Wisconsin, electorally. <laughs> right. Right. Well, but I mean, only I think, electorally. I think we should point out that yeah. we haven't exactly seen what I'd view to be a mandate election in some time. No, like everything's been contentious. Everything right. has been like the popular vote and the electoral vote have continually been split. We clearly have a schism in this country. I'm going to go for a moment into a silver linings mode, which is to say I personally felt warmed to see. Previously, every person that invaded the Capitol was law and order first. Right. All of this kicking indoors business and burning things to the ground. These people are all criminals and should go to jail. But. The second that they felt that their rights were being infringed on, they kicked indoors and tried to burn things to the ground. And I was like, we're all unified. Let's just kick indoors and burn things to the ground. We're all anarchists now. I feel like 2020 (laughs) has been the most hypocritical year that could have possibly ever happened. Except for every other year. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst that it's been since the last time it was, right? So this is the most publicized year of Yes, publicized, but that's that's, that's not only politically. 24-hour news cycle, social media. I think that personally everything was completely amplified by the news and the news makes their money and this this could be personal opinions, this could be unpopular opinions. Journalism is dead. They make money off of views. Yeah. So if your fear is high and you're promoting that fear, you're going to get more views. You're going to get more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that a lot of people who aren't as educated and a lot of people who just believe the first thing that they see or they go with that mob mentality, I think that's where a lot of the, the damage was done. Information operations are everything. Yeah, and if you read... It's psyops. If you read the way yes, yes. news pieces are written, I can tell you what the political leaning of the journalist is. I used to appreciate journalists who could write from a less slanted perspective where they didn't use Mm -hmm. words that incited feelings Mm -hmm. i read about the capital thing and i was laughing because it's like so much vitriol towards donald trump from the journalists and i'm going hey man like donald trump's a reality star can can we be fair and not necessarily put all of that on the journalists themselves um, because well, they journalists well, they're have editors, too. correct? Right, correct. they do have. It editors. comes from the top, sure. I but I don't feel like if you were heavily, if your journalism pieces are heavily edited by your editor, odds are that they're not going to run anyway. And we're not talking about journalism so weird now because we're not talking about journalists that have education in journalism who are trying to uphold integrity. We're talking about muckrakers. 
-hmm. literally we're like, hey, we don't actually have the money to put reporters on the ground in a lot of places. So we will take a stringer who can write whatever he wants and send it to us. And we accept its fact until it's proven wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not what journalism is. Journalism should be not running stuff. What's matter, what matters now is being first, not being right. So yes, did a hundred people breach the doors of the Capitol? A couple hundred maybe. It's hard to tell. Did a bunch of people stand up on the Capitol because of a mob mentality? If the yep. University of Kentucky yes. won a Just look a at Alabama. Game? Just look at the Alabama National Championship and see all those kids. Dude, that's what yeah. makes me laugh. When white people in America were angry about BLM riots all over America, they would they were very quick to ignore that White people in Kentucky will roast every car in town when they win a basketball championship. Right. Now that white people are trying to roast cars in D.C., <laughs> now yep. it's my thing is to say, hey, uh, peaceful protest. We can all get on board and saying that's a valid thing. We yep. can also mostly get on board saying most change that we see in America and everywhere else in the world comes from some degree of violence or like instilling fear in people. Like, Absolutely. Look at Trump. Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi wasn't. Gandhi may have sat around and had a sit-in and been peaceful, but the Indian people were having riots and like turning over tables in the market after he sat around and didn't do anything for a while. Everywhere Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech, there was civil unrest afterwards. That's why people said he was an agitator. Civil unrest is what drives change. My point is to say people are so quick to condemn the opposite side that we can't ever come to the middle and be like, Oh shit. Like we do have a problem in law enforcement and it's a lack of training. Like you have to go to more school to be a hairdresser than to be a cop. Cops might be upset about that, but that's the reality. And you like, probably make more. You absolutely do. Depending on where you are and yeah. your experience. Of ch I think it changes. The extra overtime hours as a cop yeah. aren't too bad. But there are ways out of the dis the disenfranchisement cycle that we're in. But like psychologically, socially, we program people to believe that like the trajectory they're on is a trajectory they have to stay on and we were talking about this in terms of the people that went to dc and are rioting i was there four weeks ago and i was like who are these people there wasn't a unified front yep they were buying trump gear because it was something that was unifying to them while they were there mm -hmm. but it was just a bunch of people who were frustrated about not having a job but like bars and restaurants are closed um, I'm not going to work. I'm, I might be a critical worker, but my wife isn't. Like, how are we doing single income now when we were living off of like $12 an hour wages? Sure. People are frustrated. And it's funny because... Well, real wages haven't risen since the 80s. And if we talk about, like, people are being frustrated. I don't know. You guys listen to Tyler Childers at all? Mm -mm. Like, he's a bluegrass singer. Pretty good. But he has consistently written about, like, smoking American spirits and doing mm -hmm. cocaine and classic bluegrass stuff. <laughs> and he did an all instrumental album that the last song on it was about like basically the BLM riots and a bunch of people listened to him were all mad about it. And it was like, it's like this guy shouldn't talk about his politics. And But his point was to say how many like good old boy white country dudes have to get shot full of holes and dragged out of their houses with no explanation before every dude in town grabs granddad's gun and comes down and holds somebody accountable. One, sure. One is the answer. We're at that place, which is we have a, oh, that poor Air Force veteran yeah. who was part of QAnon and probably a Looney Tune. She got shot while she was in the Capitol and people are all like, she's a martyr. Okay, cool. Well, she's not. To them, she is. Yeah, but they're all sure. brainwashed so this is followers. The, this is actually where I feel like we're really dropping the ball as a population is we cannot be empathetic anymore. We can't put ourselves in somebody else's shoe. I can't say I've never been a black man in America. I don't know what that's, but I can imagine it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can say, 
I'm open to hearing what your view of something is, and I'm willing to listen to that and take it into consideration right. as we move forward. Sure. I'm also able to look at a dude who's worked at an auto garage his whole life or whatever and is mad that he can't work in a, normally. a factory in Ohio that mm-hmm. is, is gone. The coal industry's gone, man. And we I don't want to use the coal industry as an excuse because that's something that's well, been dying on its own because well, natural gas and fracking have made it irrelevant. American manufacturing has been dying for the last 30 years. We can point fingers to unions being the reason for that, too. Well, we can also point <laughs> fingers to... Yeah, there's a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, I mean, global trade agreements. Trade wars. Also, yeah, just take a look at Detroit and the surrounding sure. areas if but, you want to see that. But if you lived in a house, like if you had the idea that you were going to work somewhere for 30 years and you were going to get a gold watch when you retired, sure. and your retirement was going to be enough for you to be able to maintain the house that you bought 40 and it's years not there. ago... It's not there. Your house yeah. is... It's, your whole neighborhood's gone to shit. Yep. You're, it's not what it used to be. And you're, you want to blame other people. And you know what? The uneducated and closed-minded way to blame other people is to choose people who don't look like you and blame them. Yep. That also sure. comes from nature versus nurture. That's, sure. That's all about, you know. It's the Jews' where fault. Where and how you grew up. It's sure. the blacks' yeah. fault. It's the Irish's fault. It's yep. somebody who doesn't look like me, doesn't talk like me's fault. Yeah, somebody else's sure. fault. And people who are educated and went to college now can look at the uneducated Americans that they blame for the Trump administration Mm -hmm. and be like, the whole reason that the Capitol was invaded was because of these uneducated Peckerwood motherfuckers. (laughs) And you're Mm -hmm. like, maybe. (laughs) but It's a theory. Yeah, but I mean, like, the people who showed up there all came because they were, they came for the violence, bro. Yeah. They didn't come. There's a large people, a large group of people that were like, I want to see change and I want it to be my way and I don't want to compromise, but also I'm just really here to stand around and mill around and be seen. Then there were people who were like, climbing I came, the fences, climbing the walls. I came for the violence, bro. Stealing yeah. shit. Yeah. And First of all, like taking pictures that could compromise national security. Like these things need to be addressed. Though. This is dramatic. That's technically it's the capital. treason. Who, no, I get cares? it. I get it. But, but I would what? also like to point out that the thing <clears throat> I don't often get erections from watching the news. <laughs> But nothing makes me happier than watching the entire House of Representatives flee the Capitol in fear for their lives because we're finally talking about politicians being held accountable for their actions. Like they've been going to Washington, D.C. and living on fat expense accounts and ignoring what's best for their constituents as long as they've been in office. Million dollars a year. How? How are they being held accountable for that group? (laughs) I like to think that for once they're afraid. Instead of sitting in an office somewhere and laughing at their dumb constituents who they humor while they consume $3 million a year in resources, they now are like, oh, shit, the same people I thought were idiots are now like, maybe they're going to hurt me. I'm like, okay, can I ask a question? Yep. So as a as former military, both of you guys, seeing these complete waste of people sitting in the seats that are so sacred are we to this about country and democracy. You're talking about politicians, right? No, sorry. No, I'm going to step I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to step back. Let me see if I can't clarify this okay. a little bit. As members of the military, you took an oath to defend the Constitution. Right. Yep. Correct. Do you believe that the people that broke in and rioted in the Capitol building, were? Is, would it be your obligation to stop that from happening? Is your obligation to protect? It depends. It depends on what the orders are. There's a reason the National Guard's been mobbed and not active duty soldiers because mm-hmm. posse comitatus pre- prevents U.S. Well, sure. yeah, federal, federal troops from. Well, I, I don't mean is it your job as a member of the military, but from a moral see, perspective, you from mean, a moral yes. perspective, yes. Are those people guilty of treason? Treason. Not only that, how does it make you feel? Like, because I know that personally, when I saw these. Dumbass people just sta- sitting in 
the vice president seat in which was kind of rad on the house of God. <laughs> right yes dude, if you're the one that dude, person the cheerful guy with the weird cockeyed wave carrying right. nancy pelosi's lectern was like the funniest thing i've ever and, seen and well you know <laughs> he, it might have been funny but he's in jail now but see but why and obviously you know what solves you know what i know solves revolution jailing all insurgents yeah no it doesn't yeah it doesn't it doesn't get there at all There's all it gotta, does is make it grow yeah and you know it's because creates more combat my, my right, thing is exactly that's it, what i was gonna say i want to go back as well and roll back which is to say it's very clear that we don't necessarily agree <laughs> although i do not side with the people who in, like who breached the capital i think the capital should be open access I think that like the American people deserve well, it to is come in, in every state, right? Yeah, every, every state capital is open they, access. You should be able to see how government is conducted sure. as a citizen. And I go, you know, sure. You, it was clear the Capitol Police were torn. <laughs> they were like, half of them were like, hey, let them in. Other half were like, holy crap, we got to shoot people. Like it was very confusing. There were not clear marching orders there for people on right. how sure. they were supposed well, to and handle That's it. why people were held accountable in the power positions of power, the sergeant of arms for the House, sergeant, eh. sergeant of arms those are for the called Senate. Sca- those are called scapegoating. And then the Capitol Police Sergeant. The or buck chief. stops. Is with, there, but you guys are literally... Is there an obligation to protect the Article One branch of government? It depends on how you look at it. If you Is there only an obligation if you agree with the people there? Is there tyranny going on inside that government itself. If you were there, what would you do? If I was If there? you were the first line of defense that's coming a, through that, there. That's it, a very interesting question because I don't believe that it's worth anyone's life for physical property. Period. There's no physical property that's worth anybody's life. So like the well, idea I think that's an I, I I don't think it's a physical property that people were so freaked out about. It's the idea that this institution is supposed to be Which brings me back to the other thing, right. which is to say how many federal buildings were torched and gutted in previous riots for this is what i'm getting at for anything people aren't empathetic you guys in some capacity are having a really hard time connecting with what caused the protests in dc which makes it easy to look at those people as the bad guy those people who ride in dc the ability to be empathetic towards the black lives matter movement. i'm not asking about those people I'm asking if we're on duty, if we're guard, the institution, yeah. if we're there, the, the institution. Right. The way I look at that is if I'm on duty, if I'm carrying a weapon and I am supposed to be there to protect the people inside and I'm there to protect that building and it is my order, I've been given the order to do so. As a service member or as a person that is working there, your duty is to follow that order through and through. The way that I personally would go about it is if you're going to act like an asshole and you're in front of me being that asshole, I'm going to treat you like an asshole. Mm-hmm. So, well, and crushing windows with stol- with shields that were stolen. And this and might stuff, not be so. popular opinion. And when that when that girl was climbing through the window, mm-hmm. and people were smashing everything, and just before I saw her get shot, I saw one black police officer in front of a horde of people running up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, granted, some of these people had their hands directly in the air, but they were hard charging him above group fifty sure. to one. Yeah. Well, yeah. you saw what he was doing though. He Which, was leading them away from, from the, the Senate. Yeah. But in that situation, if it's me personally, being how I've been trained and how I've been taught, we're trained on deadly force. I mean, More than not. I firmly believe that I was, I'm paid a premium to know when not to shoot. Right. And this wasn't it. Yeah. I've been fomenting, like the U.S. does this a lot of places. We like foment riots or riots might be forming and we redirect. Such the as whole, the Arab Spring? The whole, that whole thing was a fucking Huh? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, the point is to say, this whole thing got out of control. But like, really, 
not that out of control. People like the idea is obviously offensive. Oh, it, they ride in the Capitol. It got more out of control than it probably anybody thought it could. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I, what's the I actually dis- I disagree with that entirely. Yeah. After being there, I was there three weeks before this happened, and I literally walked through DC. I had a hotel room with my oldest daughter, and we were going to stay there. We'd been sure. at the White House. And I literally told her as we walked through, like what should have been a six minute walk from the White House to our hotel took us over an hour because we had to take so many detours mm-hmm. because so many roads were blocked off. Of there were straight out like brawls, knifings, shootings really? were going on. Okay. And I was literally like, as we got back to the hotel, she was like, oh man, I'm so glad we made it back. I was like, yeah, we're going to get out of town. Like I was yeah. like, we got a room, but like, this is worse than any third world coup that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to leave. Yeah. I'm not staying That's here. Smart. So but, so let me ask let me ask another question maybe from a different angle. Do the people in that building deserve protection while doing their jobs regardless of how you feel about the individual members or right. political affiliation but because of the office that they hold because of the the position does the position deserve that kind so of respect so do those politicians deserve to get protected this now is the politicians not the, the politicians the, the, that they does, hold this is a dark rabbit hole so yeah. so the so That's why we're you know here. We, you you hear about the white house and you hear about the difference between the man the 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 president himself and the office, office of the white Correct. house right so does the office of the, the members earn them the respect and the protection or is that distinct from the document itself that you swore an oath to? So I totally can differentiate between the two. I firmly believe that the people who hold the office deserve to do so without threat to their lives. I also think that the people who hold the office have held a kangaroo court, a kabuki theater of sorts for the last 15 years. It's more than that. Well, certainly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is. But like, we've been in a weird polarizing downward spiral where politicians have capitalized on the fact that there are polarized views in our country and they've continued to pit people against each other who, if we sat down and had this conversation, like, we agree. We don't actually all agree. Sure. We agree that we don't agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can have a conversation. And I can hear the emotion in your voice about like how you feel about people who've done certain things. And I can tell you, man, like I don't have anything in common with like people who created the the Chaz or whatever, the uh, autonomous zone. Shop or Chaz, yeah. one, one yeah. of the two. Whichever one you want to call it. Um, By the way, the that's stronghold. stupid too. No, I, I mean, so I actually <laughs> agree with you. The governor gave them money. They gave them porta-potties. They kept the police out. People were getting murdered I, and raped in that whole entire area. That you, shit was crazy. But yeah, I'm just you I'm, were in DC recently. I was in Seattle recently, and Seattle is the weirdest damn place <laughs> I've ever been. It's actually to. funny. Most of my friends that saw the Chaz were like, "What's well, not actually that different than it usually is?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you you fly in and you see the the tent cities of homeless people, like San Francisco, living crazy like under that the bridges. Well, California in general. I, I heard mean, Venice is worse than anywhere in the world right now. <sighs> Dude, they found leopards. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Like they say that Mm. they you cannot walk an inch without a homeless person Mm. being set up somewhere. Wait, are you talking about Venice, California, Venice? Italy. Really? Weird. Also about Venice, California. No, no, no. They They say it's the worst in the world. Old diseases in there. I don't the the point that we really are trying to scratch here is that I think that Americans in general, a striking majority, like when we talk about how almost any social issue is fifty fifty. And who we want to side with party-wise or personality-wise is 50-50. And it's, like, really hard to see any sort of mandate election happen. Um, Of course. And yet, 
I think that the overwhelming population of America agrees that we don't exist in a representative democracy anymore. That the only like legislation is passed by people we may have duly re- we we may have duly elected, elected representatives, yeah. but they are Heavy going to Washington to advocate for the rights of corporations yeah. sure. and for big business. Yeah, sure. And that every decision that they make isn't about what's best for Americans who are working. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter. And the real question is this: if the methods exist to change who's in power and how they rule on legislature or how they write legislature or how they rule it doesn't whether it's legislative executive or judicial like we have the ability to influence but the system notionally works we get to vote for our representative but, and in but the question is why do the parties why does the party system give us two shitty choices every mm-hmm. election cycle yeah. Why are people because, who are innovative money. and uh, successful not running for fucking office? I agree you, with Matt. You, it's all about money. But well, no, but it is. But the people who are running have to suck somebody's dick to get money. We yes. are going We're not talking down about, about, like, about seven different rabbit holes. Oh yeah, yeah. correct. You ask about the two party system. We we could talk about we have a winner take all system. We have a a system where congressional districts, state legislative districts are so utterly gerrymandered that it, that the real election Republicans is are really primary. good at gerrymandering. They well, are. so are so are Democrats. Look are. at California. Yep. So you have such gerrymandered districts that it doesn't matter who runs on either side, how, no matter how fucking crazy either side of them are. If you have the R or the Dem, depending on where you're at, you're getting elected. So the election is actually held in the primary. So there's no real electoral accountability. You've got Citizens United yep. uh, decision, which is allowed unlimited amounts of money into uh, political elections and you know how he fixed this election by lottery (laughs) when you register for the draft you get a do you there's a basic intelligence test that we make people take and if you meet the bare minimum standard you're automatically put in a hopper and you're obligated to go and be a representative or a senator for a four-year period and then you're out of the hopper and you can never go back that would truly be we the people and guess what, what? What would be the minimum level? Like somewhere above Louis Gomer? <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent question. You have to have an IQ. X, I would right? tell you this. I firmly believe that 50% of the people or more who are currently our elected representatives wouldn't pass any basic like test about their I own intelligence. Yeah, I don't disagree because it's a... They have a staff that informs them on issues and tells sure. them how they're voting. They don't make sure. decisions on their own. Well, they literally yeah. are figureheads who show up at parties. And They've been told what to say, what to believe, and how to believe. In order for them to be electable, they have to be lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> like they are literally, they don't believe in anything. They don't know what their constituents want. Mm. They are literally going to Washington to be tepid. Well, you're so, also talking about people who are so disconnected from who they're representing. If you look at some of these people, look at, uh, not to bring up Pelosi, but you have somebody who gets paid 200 plus thousand dollars a year, salary guaranteed. And then you have a net worth of over, I think it's like seventy million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, what was so, it when she started? Not well, seventy she million. Started, she's, she's, she started. She only like, looks forty. But yeah. you also have these people that she's don't eight. necessarily represent who we are anymore. Okay. And so, I, so that being said, I think that what we touched on is the disaffection, right? Is yes. that people in America? It doesn't matter what you look like or where you're. You don't feel like you're being represented. You oh, you vote for the lesser of two evils consistently, and yes. you feel like the people who are representing you but are no longer person. And I think that's so, a very good representation of this election. You we voted for not 
So what was it, what was the South Park episode? The shit sandwich and yeah, the, that's pretty much right. A turd yeah. thing with, with Hillary yeah. and uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. So if you look, if you they they've done plenty of polling on this. The polling on the popularity of Congress is somewhere around six to eight percent. It's it's Congress is less popular than communism in the United States. Communism's okay. gaining some steam, I'll say that. Really <laughs> so, Democratic Socialists, like, that, who would have thought Bernie Sanders might be the candidate for... Definitely a difference between Democratic Socialism and, and communism. And communism. Very, it's, very, you're it, literally talking about splitting hairs. It looks like a frog hair split. Look, look, if you want to throw stones, there's literally a frog hair split between, <laughs> between American conservatism and fascism. I so, think that everybody... You know, you're, not wrong. Yeah. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, everybody hit their boiling point. That, but, that's what it came down to. Well, what? Yeah. What, but... I, w- I want to go back to the point of the polling of the popularity of Congress. Congress itself is extraordinarily unpopular. But you ask people how they feel about their individual representative. Mm-hmm. Extremely popular. It's because they picked them. Yep. Eggs. <laughs> and they don't, going back Eggs. to your Those point. Those 49 other bastards. You don't want to be wrong. How does that work? Well, we, we talk about... We're disaffected because we're not represented. Those fat cats in Washington are taking everything from us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we love the guy we sent, and everybody else loves the guy they sent. We're right. You're wrong. So what the fuck are we supposed to do about that? Cognitive dissonance is real in everything. Well, cognitive dissonance is, People don't have critical thinking skills. People can't look at us. We are having a very sensitive discussion about something, and it's going reasonably well. But I can tell that, like, the fact that I'm not viscerally opposed to people burning the capital to the ground makes you uncomfortable. And I'm like, uncomfortable conversations are good to have. America started with a revolution. Yes. And I don't think that this is that, right? But what I do think is interesting is that the things that caused us to have a revolution against England were trivial excise taxes and feeling like we didn't have a voice mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. authorities that were dictating how we should live our lives. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about... Well, that's what we learned in history class. Well, I mean, that is an accurate representation that less than 3% of the population were actively engaged in rebelling against the British. Most everybody else was cool with the status quo. And they got carried away by a mob mentality and it became, there was enough inertia that they were like, hey, we're in for penny, in for pound. So I don't know if – have you heard of the Malcolm Gladwell podcast, Revisionist yeah. History? So he dropped a podcast. It was either two or three years ago on July 4th talking about the founding of the United States and what sparked the revolution. Turns out what he found is that the vast majority of our founding fathers – and we're talking about the ones that were give me liberty or give yeah, me death, those folks. Not John Locke <laughs> was a character in the law. So <laughs> they were peace smugglers. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm I'm hundred percent aware that these guys got mad because they were seeing the profits of their unethical businesses horned in on. And they exactly. didn't want to pay taxes on something that was going well for them. No, no, no. No. They didn't get pissed off. They, they didn't drop the tea into the Boston It was because East India Company was getting involved in... They didn't drop the tea into the harbor because the taxes went up on tea. They dropped the tea into the harbor because the British actually dropped the taxes on tea. And that cut, it, that made the legitimate tea imports less expensive than the smuggled so tea more popular. So, yeah, it was Doug cutting some, into their business. Doug has some uh, experience <laughs> in this realm when it, back in his military days when sure. he was uh, smuggling a Copenhagen in. So, oh, well, <laughs> private. Maybe we yeah. can talk about that. Later. But the thing is, we seem to forget 
that actually we don't forget. We love to talk about it in our modern interpretations. Like when we go back and talk about how things really were, which bothers me because we take our 21st century lens of social wokeness and apply it to a bunch of people who didn't know better. We're talking about people who are pirates, smugglers, privateers. The, The American Navy was literally built on the fact that America had a ton of privateers. The Navy was literally a bunch of dudes that were like, we're pirates, but for now, your shillings are good. Let's do this thing. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Give me that flag and let's go. And we literally were a bunch of wild-ass frontiersmen and polygamists. And yeah, we want to talk about the pilgrims and everybody was like a Puritan who came here and had strong religious values. Strong, weird religious values that got them kicked out of England. Y'all are too weird. You need to leave here. You got to go. And... Okay, cool, man. But we are still a very divided nation of people who disagree greatly. And yet we've all somehow managed to hold on to a false sense of bootstraps. Hey, we did this for ourselves combined with a lot of social entitlement. Like these things, I pay taxes and these things should be free, but I don't get anything out of them because my government's so poor at administering my taxes that I don't actually see anything out of it. Do you think that we're at the point of a small scale revolution? No, because people are uncomfortable. Okay. Revolutions happen when people are uncomfortable. If you can't feed your kids, gunfire starts. Now, not to say that outlying like zealots won't try to shoot guns. Right, I think sure. they will. But I think that it will be small scale. It'll be very like Timothy McVeigh-ish where you're like, wow, a lot of people died, but it's one or two people doing right. something. It's more at an ideological level. Now. But what's crazy is that the people who are willing to blow up the bombs their ideologies aren't that far off from a large portion of people that are very upset with how things are going. And the reality of a lot of... How much do you think, how much of that do you think is legitimate? And how much of that do you think that is like a consumption of a particular style of media? Because we talk about media influencing people. Definitely. How they felt, well, (laughs) about how they felt about those capital riots but then the same people that were there at the Capitol riots had their perspective on God the election. There. They had their perspective on the election. It was warped by stolen. the media that they consume. That a number of them are involved in the Q conspiracy theory. Well, let's and, talk about and, that because here's well, the thing, man. When are we going to hold the media accountable for? Well, they're not because what? they're they're we're. Well, it's because it's like you one said earlier. For either the jur- so journalism is, is a slave to clicks now. It's insane. Yeah. You see Anderson yeah. Cooper, you need to run. Because shit's about to go down. I mean, it's the same thing with Jim Cantore in the Weather Channel. You see him in, you see him in your spot. It's time to get the fuck out of Dodge. There's either a winter weather storm or a hurricane, hurricane that yeah. you're not going to want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about... This is literally... It's all about our lenses and our person. Mm-hmm. Everybody's being emotional. Of course. Everybody. Sure, and sure. this whole like QAnon, conspiracy, whatever. Hey, man. I believe... Seems like this room is full of moderately intelligent guys. We hope so. You don't have to see the actual fire to see a lot of smoke and be like, man, I think there's a fucking fire over there. Yeah, sure. And if year over year, every election cycle, everyone is raising hell about fucking like undue influence from outside nations, Mm -hmm. fucking tech issues with the way we're administering voting machines. Yeah. Are they red herrings? Are they trying to scare people about the process? Sure. Are they trying to influence the process? Both parties, everybody since the dawn of elections has been trying to figure out a way to war game elections and make them come out in their favor. It just so happens if there was cheating this election cycle, 
seems that the Democrats did a better job of cheating than the Republicans. Just ha- has it, there's no, there has been no proof. <laughs> it seems like anything, everybody right? was cheating. It's also weird to me because I think he said if there right. was right hypothetically if there, if there was, was cheating, cheating then the Democrats cheating. just did it better. So, but let me ask: Do you think that since more people voted? than ever in the history of this country. For each candidate. But like Holy more than, fucking more crazy. Than 80, there is 330 million people in this country and a hundred and like more than half. Eh, close to half. There's a larger, actually voted. There's a larger population of voting age Americans now yes, than there ever that's has true. before. If you look back at every single election, Every election is like that. Every election was a far larger turnout than the election before. Going back, going well, back by sheer numbers. But I think it was that, more polarizing. No, so that the time. Hillary and I think that the Hillary Trump was a downturn from the. Well, Hillary had like sixty-four no. million votes, yeah. and so this time it was eighty-one to seventy-four or whatever it was. Right? But here's the thing, Hillary, right? Hillary. We can assume that the what we're what Hillary we're proposing. Got more, Hillary got more votes than Obama did in twenty twelve. You're right. Trump got more votes than Mitt Romney did. In right. 2012, yep. they Andy got more than McCain. The only election, uh, the only candidate that got more Obama. In, was Obama right. 2008 than than Hillary or Trump did in 26. Uh, yeah, 2016. 2016. I think that's due but, to social media. But maybe, regardless, I'm just saying that in general, the elections are trending higher participation. Not necessarily higher participation rates. But just general higher participation. Bulk numbers. So, uh, yeah, 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 bulk numbers. Exactly. Right. Because I think there are more people. It's mystifying right. to me, though, in a realm where we, or a world where we've been programmed to think that popularity is what's driving polls in a lot of ways, right? Like we had a big turnout for Obama because he really incited in, or in, excited in right. people, yeah, like yeah, an idea of change. And he was a fantastic speaker. Oh man! I mean, oh my God! He was. There. Yes, he, he was. was amazing. He was smooth. Yeah, and was definitely that. All of this to be said, I understand that. What I don't understand is when you have two toads running for office yeah, and you're literally like, wow, like the thing. So when we we talked about hypocrisy as being like one of the driving forces of what Mm -hmm. was going like, hey, man, like we're all hypocrites now. It's crazy to me. My whole thing about the Capitol is to be like, hey, if you supported the riots for BLM because you understood their you understood and commiserated with their predicament, like you were sympathetic to their cause you should at least take a step back and assess why you're not sympathetic to the people who are doing the same th- or similar things at, in D.C. Mm-hmm. At least ask yourself that question. When we talk about the hypocrisy of all of this, it's, hey, man, we have two people who are put up by the Democratic Party, one who's been a career do-nothing guy or or even bad stuff. Like the Biden's career... The, uh, historically, there's a lot of things he had to apologize for as the candidate. Where he's like, "Yeah, I mean, mandatory I minimums. I didn't know better back then, but I'm yeah. woke. Yeah, I'm woke now. Right, like, I'm woke now. Right. I feel better. I, I'm not going to molest any more women. Right. I, I understand it was wrong for me to sniff all those women, but and, at least I didn't grab them in the pussy. But you, you could have balanced. <laughs> no, 100. percent right, right. No, you're right. All like right. that. The point is right. But then, and yeah. then you look at the fact that for the last three years, the Democratic Party has really been run as a party of social justice. Hey, yeah. we really are like here to advocate for disenfranchised I, minorities. And you know who we're going to pick as our vice presidential candidate? The oldest white guy in the field. No, we're going we're gonna to pick a corrupt district attorney with a track record of keeping minorities in jail past their minimum sentence for drug charges, for sim- small simple drug charges. Drug charges. And but who's a, proud but of she's it? She's a multiracial woman. She's woke, man. Yeah. Also, now. here's the now thing. She is. She's it, it pains me that 
the party of social justice is so shallow that they're they literally like, well, any woman not white is acceptable. Who's going to jump on the bandwagon first? Yeah, I didn't agree. With Can we that. also talk about how the head of the NAACP for a good stint was not a, there anymore? Yeah, thank goodness. White lady, she was a white wow. lady. Wait, well, she wasn't. That Rachel, head are, are we w- talking about Rachel Delizel? No, yeah, she was. White. Oh, but she, she was, held a high seat. No, no, no. The head of a state. Yeah, she was uh, just like a yeah, local chapter. Yeah. Right, still, yeah. a, still. Yeah. And still. look, we're going to talk. About also worth mentioning. Yeah. on another. Rachel Delizel is a prime example of actual mental. Illness. Health yes. issues. I not, agree with that. Not <laughs> Are you telling me I can't be a white rapper? No. Telling you, you can definitely. Now you're drawing be a white false rapper. parallels. I'm telling you, you can't because you can't. Rap. We were so. <laughs> this is also correct. <laughs> we were being so intellectually honest, and then we just went down a bunch of. Let me step back. Bring it back to intelligent uh, conversations. Yeah. My, so, my point is to say, like, the hypocrisy of those things isn't lost on me. I don't mind that the, the parties are picking whoever and that people are voting for them. I, I think was, that it's I, crazy to think that the parties are picking people who so clearly don't represent the values of their voting population. And the voting population is turning out in record numbers to vote for these underwhelming people. I will say that I think that Biden's numbers and Trump's numbers were driven by Trump. Oh, dude, anybody, uh, 100%. anybody yeah, it, but Trump and I would have to the orange that. man is a guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, exactly. You haven't had somebody who's been so diversely hated but also if you lean at the or if you look at the far right side you've never had somebody so, so much warship i mean they th- they love him more than they love reagan but it's this insane. isn't yeah, this is crazy. crazy the, the crazy. hypocrisy of that isn't yeah. lost on me either but Watching, this is also a guy who will spit in their face because he thinks that he is better. well he he runs it like a business so anybody Even, that gets away with the business he's never well, run a, he doesn't run it like a business he's he never runs run a business. like the business yeah, yeah right, the family right. you know business. what i mean but, yes the yes, thing that kills me about that is, and I will they touch on my childhood. We talked about even, like I was raised an evangelical, right? I was literally was raised by people who told me every single thing that Donald Trump's done in his life is reprehensible and wrong. You should never, they ever support someone like that. him. And they are talking about how God has put him in office, that he is like nothing short of the Antichrist. He's done that. He hasn't ever said it. No, he's, he doesn't have to. He's no, never they, been pro-evangelical he, 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 anything. He doesn't yeah. have to. Well, if you look at him. The, the, he's the, a New York the, Democrat. Yeah, that said that once said that he would be if he ran for political office that he would be a Republican because yep, well, they're the easiest to manipulate and well, lead. Yeah, actually, that is not true. He did not. He say said that. it on TV. I watched yeah. the clip. That mm, Google it. Yeah, Google it. He said it. You on have TV. a computer. Google it. I want to yeah, know. I, I'm I'm almost certain that that was a made up meme quote. But while you're googling that, I'm going to go back. So you talked about the hypocrisy of the evangelicals in this particular thing. Brief rabbit hole that can be its own podcast is the idea to me that people who utilize the Bible to justify their political Dude, position. Dude, that's been going on since day one. Brutal. I got I got I got an answer the, for that. The, this election the, cycle has highlighted to me the need for there to be audits of religious institutions. And if you ever make a political statement, your tax exempt status is going to be revoked. I don't necessarily disagree with that. <laughs> so, but, but you got these guys, they're out there saying that Trump is Cyrus, right? Yep. But, like, first of all, I was raised Catholic, which means <laughs> I didn't read the Bible until I reached the age of reason. But you knew your catechism. S- secondly, <laughs> who the fuck is Cyrus? <laughs> 
I think that like, if you ask the Wu-Tang Clan, they'll tell you to check your neck. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, protect whatever happened to the separation of church and state. It, that uh, is, I think that it is viewed as a one-way street by evangelicals, yeah. that they believe that they're part of a Christian nation. I would use sure. air quotes, but I think everybody well, can hear it in my voice. So everybody <laughs> hears about Biden when he made his speech. You know, he kept, he, he talks as if he is a preacher or pastor or whatever you want to call him. Does he? From my understanding. And he does mention God a lot. Of people, a lot of politicians will mention God, but a lot of politicians are old white people. But what I'm trying to say is that horrible, crazy things have been going on in the name of religion or using the excuse of religion. Since the dawn yeah, of time. Since dawn of time. So I, I, I go back to the crusades, go back to all that kind of stuff, and it's for religion. But at the end of the day, it is a political thing. Yeah, of course. Well, religion and is a... I, I, mean, I can't think of anything more sacrilegious, though, than blaming God. For your shitty political beliefs. Well, oh, I mean, absolutely. I think it should. I don't know if that. I think that's a logical leap, right? I think that religion is a crutch for people to justify conditions in their lives that they cannot otherwise rationalize. And to accept, like, statists love religion because it allows them to keep people subjugated and grinding okay. in, a, in a direction. But the idea. I, I now know yeah. that you are an OG libertarian <laughs> because you dropped the S word. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can, the Libertarian can, Party is full of weirdos. Can, can I t can I tell you when I was in high school, I was competing at the Harvard Debate Invitational. I'm from Virginia Beach. We blew up there. Oh, for you the poor sweet summer soul. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that at another time. I definitely not a libertarian. However, won the tournament on a critique of statism. Nice. I know. We talked about the net widening. We talked about <laughs> the I mean, social control. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. We're, we're in a weird place yeah. where I think everyone, I, this is, if there's to be one thing that people take away from this podcast, it's that you owe it to yourself to deconstruct what you view to be right. Sure. Like you owe it to yourself to, and, and I had this conversation with, like, so I, I will use my family as an example. I shouldn't. I will say an arbitrary family <laughs> not mine but I, w I was talking with my evangelical mom the other day and she told me that she knew for a fact that barack obama was gay and that it was an yeah. affront to god's law that he had been the president because not only was he born outside of the united states but she knew for a fact that michelle obama that was actually a man and i was like what circular email did you get that in? I'm that was sure. a forward, right? Holy like you shit. literally got that yeah. in some fake news forward email. I don't, I don't know where and to she begin goes, with that well, one. Where do you get your news and what makes it right? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to argue that except to say that you're a really su you're a super intelligent woman. Like really, truthfully. Yeah. It left me stymied because I don't like to think of my family as being unintelligent about how they view things or how they're processing information. What's interesting is I've now been I got I subscribed to a subreddit about critical thinking. And there's a couple articles that were interesting to me, which is to say that apparently people who are more willing to accept anecdotal evidence as fact, like people who want to view the world experientially are more likely to vote Republican. People who want to base their all of their worldviews on data are more likely to vote Democrat. Is that because of, as Stephen Colbert said, the the fact that reality has a liberal bias? Or well, it's <laughs> funny, right? Because like I, people who are quote unquote intellectuals do rely very heavily on data. Sure. But as someone who's experienced a lot in my life, I've been very interested by the fact that no matter what the data says, when you step into the Thunderdome, 
the reality on the ground for the competitor in the arena is very different than what the numbers said beforehand. So I am somewhere in the middle, which is to say I respect people's anecdotal experience, but I also am like, that's your experience. It's not the overwhelming statistical norm. But how you see the data is also based upon your experience. But I mean, I think that how you interpret the data, I will credit liberal and intellectuals with being intellectually honest enough to process the data in a fair way. And there are fair ways to process data. It's not like numbers can't say anything you want. They can, but it's not intellectually honest. And if you know how statistics work, you can look at a data set and be like, they cherry picked the shit out of this or arbitrarily the numbers do the Nick Wright of politics. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's what's crazy is like people should be able to go back and deconstruct. And I, I think so like looking at the way people process problems is one thing that's a starting point and understanding that helps and then also accepting that the way we process media is different than it's ever been and there are now studies talking about how we consume it is also different no that's that's my point right is that the older populations who are consuming information digitally don't have the they've never been trained they don't have the ability to understand what's Good information and bad information. They don't know how to filter it. Well, and in aging populations. And they don't don't realize, they don't understand that the algorithms that are pumping them everything that they're already predisposed to. Confirmation bias. That's that's providing them with that confirmation bias. It's like trying to drink out of a fire hose. So they look at the world as everybody thinks what I think. Well, compound that with the fact that we're now talking about. I read the study on the subreddit. Like, I was like, what the hell? Saying that in aging populations, there's increased, like, an increased degradation of brain tissue based on the volume of digital media consumed. Mm. That like computers are literally, we have so much information, pummeling us so much that it's actually causing brain atrophy as we age, as opposed to like producing critical thought. We all, everyone in this room that went to college in a time where almost all the media we consumed was still in books. And we had to go to the library and find primary source documents. If I wanted to make an argument, I could not just reference a book I read. I had to go find the source document, be like, this is the seminal point of my argument. We don't do that anymore. It's readily available. Now we look at a piece that has links in it, and we assume that the links are valid. Right. And 90% of the time, if you click the links, they take you to a fucking Russian lottery site. Or it's mm-hmm. like, here, check out the numbers from this study. And you click at it. And even if it goes to study, it may not even be an associated study that goes along with the point that they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. But people think, because there's hyperlinks in a piece... This is a valid piece. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that I've experienced that firsthand. Because it has quotations. To Russia reality. today, they would never be biased. It's crazy because like I've had my own mother who's 64. She's called me up and been like, oh, my God, did you hear about this and this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, this person just said this and this and, or whatever it is, X, Y, Z. And you go and you Google it. And if you're on Google for more than 10 minutes and you look at like actual trusted news sources, not some shit that she's seen on Facebook. Yeah. Well, or, I, like, I don't think it, it goes beyond that. If you were to think, like, we think of CNN as a trusted news source. Correct. I mean, like, major news networks should be trusted news networks, right? You think so. The only places that I see on the ground local reporters with, with not using adjectives and adverbs that incite emotion are, like, Al Jazeera and sometimes the BBC does it. Really yeah. Sometimes is BBC is still unfiltered. in. They're a little more left leaning, but they are definitely. I think they're definitely better than CNN and Fox well, News. It's, I, a, it's I would, an information warfare out there right now. Yeah, I don't want to lean the... towards left and right when we have this conversation. I want to talk about 
the things that should trigger you. I don't care if you're left, if you mm-hmm. if you lean left or you lean, I support you. Like sure. I think that varying. There's viewpoints... a three-dimensional political spectrum, by the way. Yeah, there's, it isn't just a straight line. No, you sit definitely on one not. Part of the line. It's a yes, hundred uh, percent. My point is to say, I think I think that we as thinking Americans should encourage people to have dissonance, to disagree, and then come to some sort of resolution. That's like part sure. of a healthy dialogue. What's crazy is to look at, I get my Apple News updates on my phone, and I read some of those pieces, and I think to myself, who the fuck cleared this to be on Apple News? Literally, like, it's not so much that I care what they're saying, but the adjectives, the adverbs, the way that it's written is very clearly meant, I I didn't vote for Trump, I would never vote for Trump, I say that proudly, I'm not like saying, I'm just saying it's crazy to me when I read a piece that's ostensibly about the Capitol riots and they spend more time using incendiary words about the orange-haired despot in the White House. And I'm like, first of all, this isn't journalism anymore. Excuse me, excuse me. That's incorrect. That's the orange skin. Orange skin. Yes, yeah, you're right. Orange skin despot. But I'm not sure what color the hair is. The words are all very, like, inciting of an emotional response they're trying to make you feel a certain way because about you're the subject come back and read that same source to see what else because well, feelings drive everything exactly and i'm sitting here going hey man we don't we can not like a guy and still not hate him <laughs> like it's not necessary that we hate each other if we disagree i just want to know how we can teach people or how we can encourage people from the left and the right whether it be obviously it's not going to happen between the far if you see right. something that you viscerally agree with or viscerally disagree with, the odds are it is not an intellectually honest piece and you should Google pieces like it and see if it's true. But what I'm saying is how do we teach people, how do we coach people to have the conversations to where someone's emotions don't get out, never, out of Never, ever crazy? able to do something like that. I don't know. You can know. never take emotion out of it. I don't know. I mean, I have emotions about things and when I do have emotions about things, it is a fucking goddamn canary in a coal mine telling me that I'm wrong right now i'm like hey man if i have this much emotion about something i need to step back and i need to read some more stuff well that's logic and most people don't have that but people should develop it i no, i get that but it's definitely a skill and a lot of people don't have it i do have a question and i know dom's looking at time i have a question and it, it because of everything you brought up about your parents and your upbringing yeah. and stuff like that um talking about like somebody that's more in touch with the people as far as a candidate goes Let's say Pete Buttigieg was the candidate, being how you were raised. Too gay. So that's that's, see that this is my question. (laughs) So being how you were raised, I I know that obviously listening to you, your all of your morals don't really go back to your upbringing because I don't see you as an evangelical. No, not even a Southern Baptist. But what what I want to guys who sits in the corner and secretly wishes he could convert to Catholicism with all the work. So. so, What I would so he seemed the most in touch yeah. with not only his people but the American like people of South Bend is what I'm meaning and then but the American people overall like he seemed to be the best of the candidates of the 73 that were up on that stage for the first Democratic you yeah. know, debate or whatever but no this did is he what have I'm the saying biggest team he, he actually no. did have he had money, he, money. but yeah. not oh, yeah. as much. As Biden. And see, what he was lacking is name recognition. Not only that, he's 35 years old. It's Biden's time. Just like it was Hillary's time. Just Here's the thing, man. I'm with you. I just like to look at the entire field. Mm -hmm. And I want you to point out to me somebody who's in political office in Washington who's not a fucking loser. Yeah. Like, straight up. See, that's why a lot of people like Buttigieg. Show me 
where you've been successful outside of a political mm-hmm. spectrum. Show me, like, oh, and guys are like, I'm real successful. Hilariously, uh, Mitt Romney, eh, pretty successful mm-hmm. in his own. Oh, shit. You mean he's like the product of an inheritance, freaking generational wealth. And you can also, say the same thing for Ross Perot. Oh, 100%. Who has a lot of. Ross Perot was an interesting well, exception. Well, he was an oil guy, and you were an oil guy. And self-made. Right. Like, oh, really, truthfully. He, he was a wildcatter mm-hmm. and did something. But if you look at it in a bar or a dinner conversation, we all of us have been like, man, I should run for president. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Hell no. I don't want that, but, that shit. But you guys are literally touching on the most important aspect of that conversation. Yeah. Which is anybody who should have the office doesn't fucking want it. Yeah. No doubt. Anybody who wants to make a difference, who will be true to their to their morals and their ideals. I looked at running uh, for office in Cumberland County as a Democrat a few years ago, and I had property there, and I thought, you know what, I could be a Democrat, even though I wasn't raised this way. Like I believe in the cause and social justice, et cetera. And as I submitted my uh, application to be one of the council members for the town of Hillsboro, mm-hmm. and don't live in the township. So like I wanted to get involved, but what's funny is when I talked to the selection committee about what it would look like, I'm a, any law pertaining to the constitution is an infringement on any of the amendments. There's an amendment process that we can put another amendment in. If you want to change it, go for it. But any law that, that limits the constitution is an infringement on people's constitutional rights and shouldn't be on the books. Mm-hmm. That is not how the democratic party looks at right. things. Right. And they or basic, is it how the Republican Party looks at things? No, because that would, if we said that the people of America actually had unlimited freedom based on the way the Constitution was written, that would limit the power of the federal government. And the federal government doesn't want their power limited. They want it expanded over and over again. The budgets get bigger, the authority gets broader, and they tell you more and more what to do. And mm-hmm. I am literally here to say that as an American citizen, you and you and anyone, no matter what their IQ is, has the ability to do whatever the fuck they want until they hurt somebody else. When right. they hurt somebody else, they're going to pay the consequences. But it's not my job to predict what they're going to do. It's not my job to be like, I saw a look in their eye. Let's put them in prison for 10 years because I think they were going to do something. Like, you should well, be able to do stuff. Fortunately, thought crime is... It's coming. Not a crime. It yet. is coming. That's minority report shit. Now, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Minority report is coming. We not are even literally... that, but when you get a charge that's conspiracy to do this or conspiracy to do that, there's people, there's tons of people that are in jail, have been locked up or even charged. That's because they were dumb yeah. enough to write it down or tell somebody else or not have it recorded. all or... the time. Like you, you saw that cop show about the cop that was really into all the like super gross BDSM shit mm-hmm. and then his wife ended up getting killed and chopped up or whatever. Oh and they almost, con- I think he probably did it. I think that the dude got convicted, but the whole TV show was about how the actual evidence that they were presenting was very light compared mm-hmm. to the fact they were like, well, look at him on these internet chat rooms talking about cutting chicks up and like getting off you to it. You shouldn't do that. But, but like, it's crazy, right? Yeah. But the point is... Was that Army guy? Is that, is that his no, name? No, no, Army something? I that can't was, remember. That was recent. It's like yeah, when you're married to somebody like serial killer shows and you're like... I like serial killer. This rings in my head, but I don't remember what it was. But it, yes, like... The reality is, is that who it is? Army Hammer. They, he was recently... Is that his porn name? <laughs> no, it's actually his real name. That's crazy. He <laughs> was a cop, right? Right here. He's an actor, the son of businessman Michael Armand Hammer. So he's on a lot of TV shows. He's Oh, wait. Michael Hammer was the, was the detective. He's talking about like all the things that he wants to do. Like He wants to eat like he he was saying that he was a cannibal. Like oh, He yeah. would actually tell cop. people yeah. he was a cannibal. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's not something you should do. So that dives into mental health, and <laughs> at what point do you bring someone like that out back and just put Well, it's because... It, <laughs> well, that's know, not you how gotta, we treat mental health, so... so. This, this is another way different podcast, but you talk about 
porn in the in society today. It's like giving everybody everything they want and then them realizing that's not getting them off anymore. And well, so they have to go to that's other because, things. That's, this is a different topic because we're talking about serotonin and, right. you sure. know. That's why I said yeah. different show. So, so. <laughs> but I mean, if we come back to what we originally were talking about, like the capital. Yeah. It incites emotions for everybody on both sides. You're seeing Patriotism. a symbol getting taken down. And, I think that's, that's what it is. And it's the people who, what's funny is y'all ever had an argument with your old lady where you yes. you are like yeah no <laughs> shit right and you're I can answer that question now and you're the like answer is yes. hey you know what tell me what bothers you just like i'm going to i'm not going to be mad anymore tell not, me what it is that bothers you you mean not what's wrong with you and then she literally will tell you how she feels in my dream and it's all of the things that you feel too you're like how do two people feel the exact same way about something yep. from two different sides when they feel like they're the one who's wronged mm -hmm. the people who broke into the capital view themselves as patriots Right. They think that they are rebelling against an oppressive government. Now we talk about what the definition of oppression is. Do they really know what oppression is? Mm, I don't think it matters. Not. I think that if you feel oppressed in a large group, that disenfranchisement should be credited and a conversation should be had. No one can tell you what oppression means to you specifically. That's correct. And when we talk about like the Black Lives Matter movement, like I can't pretend to know what an inner city black person feels about anything. What I can say is when they tell me, I don't just laugh at them and be like, fuck you. Equal mm -hmm. opportunity says you're going to get into whatever college you want. Look at you. You should play pro sports. That would be racist. Correct. <laughs> like, the point is to say the same way we don't, like, I don't know what caused those chuckleheads to show up in Washington, D.C. every week. But I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that for over a year they haven't had jobs yeah. And they've been locked in their fucking houses. And the media, and, the and, cons consumption. And and even people who voted for Trump who say they won't wear masks, in a lot of ways, the idea of COVID and the fact that it's targeting an elderly population is scary as fuck. So just because you don't agree with wearing masks and you refuse to Doesn't wear mean one. you don't have a mom or a daddy. Well, you get your mom and dad people. still get COVID. Exactly. And they still die from it. Exactly. And now you're mad because this government conspiracy yeah. has, goddamn man. Well, like, that brings on the echo chamber. And, and But the same people that showed up for this and have been hurt significantly by COVID are the same people that showed up in 2016 to vote for Trump because maybe we hurt. don't know they that. were hurt. They were hurt in the 2008 recession. Did you look at the statistics on that? Trump lost a significant amount of ground mm -hmm. with white males. He did. And gained with blacks and Hispanics, males and females. I mean, look at Florida, which is crazy to yeah. me. I was like, how same. did you get Miami points County? My, yeah. That's a, a whole nother topic. It is, but, but I mean, but it, I looks wanna, like, it looks but, like the white males were the ones that made sure Trump didn't get reelected, which is great. I want to step back and talk about like the, the perception of disenfranchisement, the, the perception of oppression. Because Versus the reality? You, or? Regardless. Okay. And, and, and I want to talk about reality because yeah. there's a lot of parts of this country where there was there's a large white post-industrial community that has been ravaged by the change. loss of by change yep. by the loss of manufacturing by rochester uh, new york use it as drive drive from erie pennsylvania to cleveland ohio yep. every Steel one belt. of those little towns mm -hmm. between there on lake erie where there was it was a small port town, and the import-export along the lake was what was driving the economy there. And again, you had large unions and people that thought they were going to retire with their gold watch. Now those towns are completely dilapidated. Mm -hmm. 
they look like Anacostia in the 1980s. Yep. Uh, and they have the same drug epidemic, except this time it's meth. And the and that is real. Yep. That it's not necessarily not sure it's not political the- oppression. It's economic oppression, and it's real to people. And, and they blame somebody for it. They got, got to they, blame somebody it, yeah. because they, you can't just accept that that's just a reality of the world. It's impossible. It's, it's the Scooby-Doo meme where they're like, <laughs> we're going to take the mask off and look, we'll finally find out who's responsible for all of our that's bad decisions. One. And then it's, oh, it's me. That's a, good, that's a really good one. <laughs> Except people, here's the thing, man. Personal ownership yeah. in the United States is fucking dead. Yep. And here's the other thing. The myth of the fact that people ever did it for themselves is a lie. Sure. We used to have strong communities. We used to have organizations, fraternal organizations, a sense of ownership in a community for outliers where we took care of people that were suffering. That migrated to saying it's the church's responsibility to do it. And then when the church basically was like, shit, this is way more than we can do and we only can take care of the people who come here. Sure. All of a sudden, now it's government's responsibility to do it. But government's literally, we don't know how to do this. Like, we had limited social programs, and all we can do is pour more money into a poorly administered program. So, like, how do we save people from themselves? What we need to do is, like, we... Start th- over? Maybe. But <laughs> this goes life. to the college thing, right? Like, I mean, yeah. this is a totally different... We should have an episode on the colleges because the corruption of college, like... Just... Opening up, yeah. yeah, opening up the college loan system to an open market and removing government regulation from that would dramatically lower the cost of education and it would put a focus on valuable degrees. Now kids go to college and I'm going to get a liberal arts degree. And you're like, wow, you spent a hundred grand on a liberal arts degree that you'll never use. Like maybe you can, like I have a liberal arts degree. I, well, let's, so let's put a pin in that one. Okay. <laughs> the yeah, point yeah, yeah, of yeah. it is just to say that you have a choice to pick a job that pays better. Like, for instance, we'll use the coal belt as an example, right? There are government-sponsored programs to retrain coal workers. People don't use those programs because they don't want to because their dad was a coal miner and his dad was a coal miner and his dad was a coal miner. And it's are what they gonna, do. Are you going to train a 50-year-old coal miner or truck driver or retail worker or whatever how to be a Python programmer? Yes, the programs exist to do it, and no, people aren't taking are them up. are you going to do that? Because they succeed at 0 to 15%. Andrew right. Yang wrote, ran an entire presidential campaign about how ineffective those were and what we really need to do, what, in his opinion, what we really need to be doing about Do you not that. think this falls on the individual themselves, the disenfranchised? <laughs> does, that, does, not, does that disenfranchised individual need to step up on their own well, it's, to, it's, to change their it's life? It's kind of a at mixture. At a certain point. Yeah, I, I don't. I, Where's that point? I, Personal responsibility is weird, though, when you're talking about an institutional albatross sure. around that person's neck. Yeah. Like when that person is doesn't have options. What's weird is we're talking about a balance between sociological programming, like the way someone has raised and is programmed versus the nature, idea nature. that they have to start over mm-hmm. at a completely unplanned point. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that those things, those programs exist and have typically not been well used whether they're poorly implemented or, or they're poorly ad- uh, adopted is hard for me to say sure but i will say that when these big changes have happened people aren't typically early adopters they don't see no. the writing on the wall so no. they don't make a change until they're thirty thousand dollars in debt yeah and they're living in a upside down trailer park sure and they don't understand car. 
They don't understand why, and they're trying to get their kids to go to college to get degrees that they'll never be able to pay off. It's important that you go to college. No, man, it's important that you send a kid to fucking trade school <laughs> because so, they can make eighty to a hundred dollars an hour, and it's a job that can't be outsourced. Typically. Yep. So I'm going to go back to the original question. Yep. I originally started asking you guys about oaths and your oath to the Constitution and whether or not you know that would obligate you to not necessarily act or how that made you feel about the original march and riots in the Capitol. I want to expand on that just a touch and ask you, based upon all these problems that we've been talking about and things that we've identified as truths that are impacting the way we see the world and impacting how things are done and impacting people's lives on an individual basis, is our system worth saving or would we be better off with something else and why it's so hard to answer that question completely because you take this oath to something that you believe in and something that you take wholeheartedly and with what we've seen what we've all experienced is and and the dilemma that i personally have with it is what happens when you take an oath to that thing and that thing changes it's no longer the same thing i don't think i've kept my word much in my life so i'm not too worried about it (laughs) i think flaky (laughs) is the word you use a lot so we'll go with that, maybe? It's a nuanced decision-making <laughs> process. Here's the thing. I, Traveling I, all over the world and seeing other governments dissolve and be rebuilt in some capacity, I am an outlier because I see the Iraq story as a huge success. I think that we Iraq would have been undeniably better if we had left Saddam Hussein or at least the Ba'ath Party in power. Sure. However, comma, mm-hmm. what we have done is we have watched a... a very accelerated short-term gestational period of the formation of what I view to be real democracy in Iraq because we came in, we overthrew a government, and we went through a ton of growing pains, and a series of democratic elections have put into power a bunch of people that don't want the U.S. there. And they are people who fought the U.S., who vociferously disagree with U.S. intervention in the Middle East, and the people of Iraq have put them in office. Yep. And what happens when you say, what, what we have right now isn't working, let's change everything, you do not end up with a product that you like. You end up with a product, and it might be a democratic product, but it is probably not going to be something that everybody is like, whew, this is an improvement. Everybody's not going <laughs> to agree on anything. So. And the process to get there yeah. is brutal. Holy oh, it's gonna be shit. It's gonna be Especially ridiculous. in this country if you with think 350 that, million guns. It gets weirder 400. because 400. We, don't, Excuse me. we have I, a very odd gun culture in America. It's we very do. strong, it's, but it's, it's different than anywhere else for sure. So what happens over the next four years? Do we think that disenfranchised find a franchise? Do we think that they, all of a sudden, everything's going to be better? Depends on the economy. A revolution will come from an economic collapse. If we hit a bubble and we can no longer prime the pump enough, then things will be weird. So if there's a U-shaped recovery that falls flat, then maybe you should start worrying. But as long as government programs exist, as long as money's flowing, as long as there's unemployment, and businesses open back up, I think that a lot of the tension that's happening right now is probably going to dissipate at least briefly. The problem is if businesses open back up and the economy tanks. I like to think of the early 2000s as the roaring 20s. Mm. So like the last 20 years for us have been amazing. You're looking at Michelin star quality chefs in every neighborhood on every corner. Foodies are everywhere. There's musical shows. There's culture and art. And it's amazing. 
and it's everywhere. In the smallest parts of America, you're seeing like crazy gentrification and culture, and that is gone. And it's not coming uh, back. But half of the country thinks we live in a dystopian society. Oh. And I'm authoritarianism I'm not sure, is real as well. I am not sure how we get to the point where enough people can find common ground that things don't continue to divide divide well, you're, the way that they've been going. The argument there is predicated on a, like a rule of law, too. The idea... like We're ag- about to have a bomb go off when they do the 2A thing. Agreement is something that's valuable when we're having a discourse. When, it, when we cross the Rubicon, as it were, and we enter into a state of Clintonism or revolution or whatever it is that you're talking about being a potential, that doesn't matter anymore. We don't need a majority for a revolution to be fueled forever. You need a very small committed minority who are going to do whatever they think is the entire basis for the three percenters militia and and all those other. But I mean, so the other things, most of those guys are very poorly trained. There's not even really an agreement amongst them about what an outcome would look like. And we're not really talking about hyper intellectuals. So it's not like we're saying the best and brightest of this country are coming together to rewrite the script. We're literally saying it's a bunch of people are like, I don't like the way it is and I want it to be how it was. Cool. If you're an originalist and you want to go back to strict interpretation of the Constitution, things are going to get weird for you too, man. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a lot of things that you take for granted in your day to day life, like an interstate commerce system and cared for roads and general law and order will all go away. Yeah. Because well, the federal government into a divide that we're, we're heading into this big open abyss the way we've never been more divided. And it's just crazy to think about what the next four years could. I'm not sure that's true. Obtain. I think that think so? we've been equally divided at other watershed moments over time. Has it been this publicized? Obviously the media is changing it, but I think about the Spanish American war that was completely true. fabricated by the war was literally staged and executed by William Randolph Hearst. Think about the vehicles, <laughs> though, that they use nowadays to, to get that information. But out. that whole, information's powerful. But th- well, that I, whole I, point yeah. was to, for, to it, fuel it, U.S. expansionism. Like right. we, Americans were very isolationist at that point and didn't want to occupy or tell other people how to get democracy because democracy was something that you earned for yourself. Manifest destiny was not the ideal. Theodore Roosevelt and a lot of people in the, in the government wanted this manifest destiny thing to happen so like they did whatever it took to make i think that if we're going to find common ground as people i think we need more conversations like this Mm -hmm. where people aren't preaching to the choir we're having conversations and we're being thoughtful from different perspectives and we're not agreeing we're not disagreeing. We're just talking. And well, people want to be left to alone. Understand. Yeah. All people want to be left alone. Like sure. even people who are advocates of more social programs, they still want to be left alone once they get their check or yeah, yep. their support. And the idea, it seems to me <laughs> that the reason that communities dissolved is because people pursued their own individual wealth. We became more individualistic and less community oriented. A lot of that's like a departure from sustainable agriculture and like we've migrated to the coasts and became much more urban Mm -hmm. and how we were doing things. And then as the church lost a lot of its clout, I think a lot of that had to do with an inability to address things without a quid pro quo. People who were becoming increasing individualistic didn't want to take handouts 
conditionally. Like, I'm not going to believe in your God because you fed me. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And now we're talking about a government that's quid pro quo the shit out of people, too. Yep. Where, yeah, I'll give you a handout, man, but I'm going to need you to do these, like, stupid human tricks to prove that you're worthy of it. And it's, hey, how about this? But it almost seems like the there is a longing for that community, but we find it in different ways. So we used to find it with our town and our neighborhood, and then we found it with the church, like you were talking yep. about. And now we've chosen our political team and our political affiliation and we feel a community for that even though we don't know any most or any of the people on our side whatever that means or the people on the other side or the people and on the, the best other part side. is when you put people in a room like if you don't have a politician driving the conversation it's amazing how open-minded people get mm-hmm. sure there's a lot Except more when you talk around. about hot button issues and that's where things get weird mm-hmm. and that's why i think the hot button issues should be fucking trashed yeah man you know how you make any how evangelicals got on the Donald Trump train abortion yeah yep a hundred percent it doesn't matter anything else yeah. he can grab every woman by the pussy he can incite race riots and do whatever else whether he did or he didn't is irrelevant I'm just saying he can do all those things yeah as long as he says I am pro-life he'll jump on it yeah and I'm sitting here going hey man it's the second amendment too mm-hmm. guess sure. what bro I'm pretty chill with the idea that any law is infringement. That's not chill. (laughs) But I'm also saying I am not letting that drive. I'm not a single-issue voter when it comes to Second Amendment, and I don't think that we should be settling for shitheads in office because people who are worthy aren't willing to run. And I think that the idea that we have two parties and that they limit people who go to Washington, they purposely pick weak people because they want to control them, and they like people who are weak with big mouths who go up there and talk shit and rile up the base and get everybody like polarized. Ollie. So we're going to have dude? we're going to have another conversation another time about mm-hmm. two-party systems, alternative political systems be fun. and things like that. That's going to be a fun conversation. And I do want to say as you mentioned trashing hot button topics <laughs> here on the Liquid Soapbox, we are going to grab onto those third rail topics with both hands and we're going to work through them. I and mean, we're not going to solve the damn there's problem. There's no resolution. We're gonna, but we're going to we're going to talk about people it. Let's just talk that about you it. can have a conversation yeah. about it without turning into an irrational asshole. You yeah. just have to come correct. Yeah. You murdered them <laughs> damn, damn babies. Yeah. yeah. If you come correct with the conversation, then we can sit down and have these kind of conversations. And that's what's fun about it. Whether yeah. it be 2A, whether yeah. it be First Amendment, whether yeah. it be any of this stuff, or even uh, going into the abortion conversation, if you come correct and you're able to have a conversation, intelligent mm-hmm. conversation, that's the key that's point. That's the key. With other people who can articulate how they feel without getting super mm-hmm. emotional about it. I think that a lot of people could learn from this podcast and a lot, a lot of people could tune into this and be like, maybe I'm listening to somebody who is on the right side and I'm on the left side mm-hmm. or vice versa. Maybe I could pick up on what they're saying, and maybe I could do a little bit more research. Maybe I could learn something from this to just make yourself a complete player, so to speak, or round out your beliefs. Sure. Mm-hmm. Plot twist. None of us are intelligent. On that note, Matt, Doug, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I yes. really appreciate it. We're going to have to do this again sometime. Y'all Absolutely. need to give out my mailing address so I can get all the hate mail from people. Oh, just uh, just uh, we as it starts to pour in, I will Doug forward it directly to you on Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah, Instagram. I'm, I'm really as hoping the Elephant Slayer. I'm really hoping on that I get, a, I get a lot of hate mail from that one-eyed Jack. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks, Peace guys. out. We appreciate it.